Welcome to the Steadfast Carlsbad podcast. This morning's message was taken out of our 10 a.m. service. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. Thanks for tuning in. So, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We're working our way through the book of Hebrews. And what's Hebrews all about? The supremacy of Christ. He's just so much greater than any other thing, right? Any other Old Testament. And so we're looking at a lot of the old things, and then we're looking at, in light of the new, what Jesus has done, makes the old things, which were once had a glory in and of themselves, uh, pale in comparison. So last week, we were talking about how uh, the old was like a shadow or a silhouette, like a shadow of what was to come. But now we have the substance, and we made the reference, you wouldn't take a picture of your children's shadow because it looks cute. You know, you'd, you want a picture of your kids. You know, you want the real thing. And so there's no returning back to the old because it was not just like an old separate thing. It was literally a shadow. It wasn't the real thing. It wasn't, it was only pointing at the fact that the real thing exists. And so we want to have the substance, not the shadow. So, uh, Continuing on here in verse 19, we're actually going to stand and read. Our passages have been a little long the last couple weeks, so we've not done that. But let's stand and read in honor of the, of the word of the Lord together. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. If you don't have your Bibles, you can follow along up there on the screen. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us, through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a, a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That's one sentence, by the way. <laughs> let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more, uh, so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. Lord, um, <clears throat> we want to be mindful of the day approaching. We want to be mindful of how we live our lives in the here and the now, with a, in a sense, uh, peace, but also urgency that you've called us to not to like put foolish, childish things away and to experience like the fullness you have for us that we, we wouldn't constantly be stagnated and, and not growing, but we would experience growth in you or that we would allow you to have your work in us and your way in us. We praise you in Jesus name for all you've done and are continuing to do. We pray you'd open up our, our eyes to see and our ears to hear by your Holy Spirit, that you'd be um, ministering to each person in exactly the way they need it, and uh, that we'd be receptive to that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, have a seat. So, verse 19. Um, specifically, we've talked about all kinds of things. Angels, Moses, the land, the law, the, the priests, and Jesus is greater than all these. The, the, what it was all kind of building up to was the old covenant to the new covenant. And so now we're, we're looking at the new covenant, which is through Christ. And that's what we're so stoked about. That's what we've come to the, this, this place in understanding. And there's a ton of print given to the new, new covenant because it is the most important. This, this is it. This is, this is what it's all about. Covenant relationships between God and man. This is God's relationship with man involving his son that has now made things right. And so a lot of this language, we're going to see there's parts of temple language, tabernacle, temple, mosaic, Levitical language, uh, tied in with uh, what, how Jesus has now made this the new living way that we now get to experience in the fullness so it's beautiful, beautiful writing here. Uh, verse 19, therefore, uh, brethren, what's therefore, what's the therefore, therefore, why is it there? It's what we were talking about, that Jesus is, is the real thing, the, the new covenant is the real thing. Uh, the old covenant was a shadow, and, and now we're experienced, we're given the, the real thing, we're drawn near 
to the throne, to the Lord, through the blood of Jesus Christ. So therefore, with that in mind, brethren, who are we talking with? Brothers and sisters in the Lord. Believers. This message, uh, this hope that we're speaking of is for believers. Uh, and sometimes it's, it's easy to try to make the, the, the net even more broad and it's for everybody at all times or whatever. But the good news is, it, it, that's not good news if you're not telling the real message. If we're not telling the real truth. But the good news is, is that you can experience that like right now. But to become a brethren by deciding that you do need the blood of Jesus to cleanse you from your sin and to be brought into the family of God and into this brand new covenant and this new relationship that we're going to speak about here today. So, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, having boldness, that, that sounds like we already have it. It exists. Like we, we, it's already who we are. Like, so there's that, and this is an important thing because this actually deals with one of the core issues. And we talked about this a little bit last week of identity. Who am I? Why am I here? What is my place? Identity, purpose. Um, you know, these are, these are the things that every generation struggles with in one way or in another and another and understanding our identity that we have boldness having boldness we have this ability we have access so it's like if there's a problem with us being close with the lord having a a, a active living relationship where he speaks to us and we hear from him and his word is directing us and guiding us and we have a vibrant prayer life if there is an issue with that it doesn't belong to god it belongs to us that's our issue he's opened up the doors to us we have, have this boldness so we have access by the blood of jesus to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. We're able and encouraged now to enter the Holy of Holies, which is where? What's the Holy of Holies? Where was, why was that so significant? It was behind the curtain, right? The veil. And what was so significant about the, so there's the outer and then there was outer courts and of the, of the temple or the tabernacle and then there's the holy place and that was significant and then there was the Holy of Holies. Why was the Holy of Holies so significant? God's presence was there. And so now we've been given access into the holiest by the blood of Jesus into God's presence. So we now have been given boldness as brothers and sisters in the Lord. We have now been given boldness to enter into God's presence. Unbelievable. Uh, I mean, it's such, that's such amazing news. And it was so far off for so many years. Like the idea of being in God's presence was such a, a, a wish and a hope. Now we have it because of what we saw in Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. We have this boldness that we're being given. Why? Because what do we see right here? We enter the boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. It's still the blood, right? It used to be to enter in, to be able to do the sacrifices. There was a, a, a animal blood sacrifice. It's still blood, but it's Jesus. Not once a year, and we covered this last week, but once and for all. Because the, the blood of goats, they would do it year by year by year. They try and bulls and goats, they couldn't. It just, it just atoned. It didn't, didn't really change anything. It covered. But now as we have talked about multiple times, but it's worth repeating. We now live in a place where our hearts have been changed and renewed. And now we enter into the holy and into the presence of God. And we have that access. And that's what we pray. It's here happening here. And it happens often. It can happen alone, you know, where God meets you in your prayer closet. And I think that's good. But I think often it happens where a bunch of believers are gathered together. I and mean, what's the promise? Two or three are gathered in my name. I'm there in their midst. Like, and so there's like the presence of God is, is among us. And so as, even as we're worshiping, as we have, this is why we have worship nights quarterly where we have a, an opportunity to go like, all right, Lord, we, we're all here expecting like, you, you know, you, we want you to show up. This is where we come Sunday morning. We were just praying with the worship team. We don't want to just sing songs. Like this is not a concert. 
Like this is where, where we're coming to meet with the Lord and the Lord's meeting with us and we're taking these words and these songs and we're singing them to him. And as we're doing that, we're edifying and glorifying him. And as our minds and our hearts are more uh, in uh, alignment and, and, and are, are captured by him, so we're in his presence. It's allowing access into that place and, and, and you can feel it tangibly sometimes. And boy, there is nothing like that. There is nothing like feeling the spirit of God moving in your midst. You just go, I need more of that in my life. So the cleansing um, is found in Christ, right? That's why we can come by Christ. That's how we're able to enter in. Because we're not going to repeat it because we talked about it multiple times. The high priest, what did they have to do in the day of atonement? They had to go through all of these these rituals and all these different things just to be able to uh, one day a year go and make the, the, the necessary sacrifices to cover the sins of omission, the sins of uh, done in, without knowledge of doing them in, in, by mistake in a sense. Not omission, but by mistake, not willingly. And that was the best it got. Now we're cleansed. How? Through Christ. So we're reminded when sin gets its grip, we bring it to Jesus because he's the one that cleanses. You know, I think the, one of the, the worst parts about sin, it's like an embedded thing. We see it with Adam and Eve. The first thing that happens in, in sin is what? What do you do? Kids do it too, right? Hide. Hide. A matter of fact, you see a kid hiding and they're not playing hide and seek. It's time to start looking around the house. Like something's broken somewhere or something. Or there's, there's marker on the wall or something. That kid is, is scared and nervous. And why? Because sin makes you want to hide. Why does sin make you want to hide anyway? Shame. And you know what's interesting is, is like we're trying to remove shame from everything. There's a, there's a point where shame has a work in us. That's an important thing. You know, people say like shame on you. And you're like, oof. But it's like the ideas that you, you recognize and you sense like, yeah, this is not who I want to be. Yeah, this is not where I want to go. That's a good thing to have that understanding. But then to have that shame then make you run away and then set up your own world you know, where you, you are making, uh, instead of using your God-given ability to create things that are good, you're creating your own world of chaos and hiding. What did Adam and Eve do? Let's put some leaves together. I can't be seen anymore. I'm full of shame. This, this is what sin does. This is what sin has constantly done. So we're reminded that the way we access the spirit of the living, or the, the way that we access, yeah, the spirit and the, and the presence of God, this is how we access it, is through Jesus. And 1 John reminds us that we say we have no sin, we're liars, and we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I quote that verse a lot because I love it. It's the idea is when we are in a place of, of dirtiness uh, and, and, and sin and shame and, and um, um, shame and what's, uh, guilt, right? And, and we've been transitioning from a guilt culture to a shame culture. Uh, you know, like with the youth, it's like you're, it's, shame is a real issue. You're shamed if you don't do this, shamed if you, whatever, all these different things. And so what do we do with all these things? We bring them to the Lord, to Jesus. We confess and we repent to the one who is faithful to forgive us and to what cleanse us. So there's the initial cleansing where I'm, I'm desperate, I'm in need of a touch from the living God where I can be free, where I can now walk with him, where I have a savior who's given me a heart, taken my heart of stone and turned it into a heart of flesh that has taken my mind that has been warped and twisted and jacked up for years and years and years and is able to renew my mind, to give me a new mind. So we bring that before him, yes. And then as believers, we continually go back to him for cleansing. Because we confess, we're open. This is, uh, okay, I blew it again. 
okay, I'm experiencing shame and my desire is to want to hide out from my friends and to want to hide out from my church because they're just going to judge me. No, they're not. And if they do, we'll deal with that. This is like the place where we come and we receive from the Lord cleansing and healing. Forgive us our sins to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 20, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Rich words. This is a new and living way. The old way is gone. This is the new way. You can't that go that way anymore. You can't. It, it, it doesn't exist anymore. It's not, it's not what it used to be. There's no, there's, that, that's gone. You know, I hear stories about what Carlsbad used to be. And now there's like, there's a motocross track and there, or a raceway and all these different, and, that, and, and it's like, this street didn't go through. You would go through this, all these different things you would do. I remember a friend of mine saying like how from like Camp Pendleton, he would drive dirt roads all the way to Trestles and like from Fallbrook. And I'm like, wow, what a wild world you guys all used to like live in, you know? And it's, it's just so interesting. But like a lot of those ways are no longer there, but there's different ways. There's new ways. And so the old ways, we've got to get, get rid of the old ways because I think what's deal- what these Hebrew believers are dealing with is like, an inappropriate level of nostalgia. They remember it better than it was. Just like, just like you were better back in the day than in your mind than you were, you know? Like, we all were, right? We were all like that. Go, oh, man, don't pull up the tape, you know? <laughs> it was better in my mind, you know, than I, it was in actuality. So this is a new, not just a new way, but a living way. It's a living way. This has life in it. No more deadness. No more death. We're called to live lives that are more alive than anyone else in the world. This is the new living way, which he did what? Consecrated for us. So the word consecrate is enkinizo. It's uh, in Greek and it's renew or to ratify or to dedicate. So we're now consecrated. We're renewed. We've been ratified. So we've been given this new way. He consecrated a new way for us. He dedicated for us a new path. How did he do it? Through the veil. What was the veil about? It was the separation. The separation in this super thick curtain that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And it was a safety measure. And so what ends up happening? Remember Jesus dies on the cross and then it's torn from the what? Top to the bottom. So how, how was access granted? Not from us clawing our way up, but from him making a way from the top down. And he ripped open that, and there, there no longer would be separation because of what was done through the blood of Jesus. So now it's been ripped through. And so we see here through the veil that is his flesh. So it's through Jesus in his flesh, the separation has been ratified. It's been, it's been done away with. It's a, it's a new path altogether. Verse 21, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So we've been talking about Jesus as our new great high priest, okay? And that's that we can come boldly because of the, this new priest we have in Jesus who loves us and sympathizes with us and is praying for us. He's the mediator. He's the, the touch point between God and man. Like that's, the, that, that's the role of the mediator. And, and we've talked about how Moses was a mediator before. But Jesus is a much greater mediator that has now brought us before. And Jesus is what else? He's the head. So he's over the house of God. He's the head of the church. He's the head of the body. We are all members and we are all unique pieces of the body. We all have different roles and different, different 
functions. And that's why when people aren't here, we feel it. When people are, 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 I mean, gone for an extended period of time, there's something missing in our body, in this church. Because God has equipped each person with unique individual uh, giftings and, and callings and all these different things. And we all work together and we all are able to help each other out. But when we're separated, we, it loses its value. I heard uh, the illustration, I think it was Pastor Chuck, he says, your hand is so important and so, it's so vital, but if it was chopped off, it wouldn't be worth anything. Like if it, that's brutal. This is Pastor Chuck, okay? So, but like, if it's just sitting there next to you, what value does it have? The reason a hand has value is because it's connected to your body, not just by bone and muscle, but nerve endings that are being told what to do from the brain, from the head. The head is directing when I do this, you know? And, and the times that it doesn't work how we want it to, it trips us out, like your leg goes to sleep. How many people like when their foot goes to sleep or something? Just you, Tor. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> Everybody, is there anybody else, like a pity, like kind of? No, okay, nobody, all right. Uh, but the, that feeling of where you're, you foot goes to sleep and then you're like touching it and you're like what are you whose are you like I I didn't know my foot felt like this because it's what's so odd or or if you sleep weird and your arm goes to sleep or something right and your hand is like flopping your arm and you're like ah and you're just like you're like gotta grab it by a sleeve and plop it up and it's so interesting is I can touch my hand right now and it feels one way to both hands but when when this is, is dead, can't feel anything. It even feels different in this hand. It's the weirdest thing. It feels like it doesn't feel the same. And it's because there's a connection to everything. Everything's connected. And so when we're, we're together as a church body, Jesus is the head, he's over it all. And he's, he's, he's above it all as the high priest, as our great high priest, as the one we're now adopted into, He's the forerunner. He's the one that goes before us. He's the, he's the groom. The church is, is, is the bride. And so he goes before us and he's the one that dictates how we all work together. We just got to show up to the party. But it's wild when something, it, it's not working right. Everything is different. Everything changes. All of a sudden it's like my arm. I never think of my arm being a liability until it's asleep. And then you're like, ugh. Got to move it. How do you roll over? You feel, like, you feel like you might just snap it off without knowing because you can't feel anything, you know? This is, this is dark. I'm sorry. But like the idea is when we're connected, everything works really well together. But when there's a, there's a, a disconnect, it, it all falls apart. And, and the, body, the body will struggle without certain parts, like the hand. It's going to be, life's going to be different. But the hand without the rest of the body is dead. It's, it, it's dead. It, it does, it will do nothing. It won't continue to be a hand. You know, what was it from the Adams family? What was the, anyway, where it's just like cruising around. It's like, you know what? I'm done with you. I'm going to go do my own thing. As soon as it's disconnected from the body, it, it's, it's no good. You know, it's not going it, to, it can't, do anything. And so that's us. We need to be connected in Christ, but then also together as a body, as a unit. And so we're going to see what the, the conclusion of all these great theological truths bring it into, like, what is the conclusion of all of this? And it's, spoiler alert, enjoy God, know God, love each other. Spoiler alert. It's always the same things, right? So, uh, yeah, Jesus is the head. We're all members because as he says, he's over the house of God. Jesus is the head. We're all aligning ourselves with him. He goes before us. So what does he say? Verse 22, the first of three, let us. There's three, let us in response to all this. First one, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, 
having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us draw near. We are going to completely miss out if this is all theological knowledge in our head of what it looks like or what it means to be a Christian. I was talking with a friend of ours from our old church last night, and he was, he was saying how um, it can be dangerous in religious institutions uh, where you can have, um, and some of the negatives to seminary, right, where it's just, it can be called cemetery if it's whatever, not done well, you know. Um, uh, you can find places where there's guys who love to study, who are interested and are very smart, and they like to look at all the things of God, but maybe their hearts have never been actually transformed or drawn near. They are actually not drawing near to God. So they're good at knowing information, and they're interested, genuinely interested in things, but there's no actual transformation. I think this is a, a massive problem with the church's influence on the world around us. Because we're shoving information down everyone's throat, but without the being drawn near by God, the sensitivity of the spirit that can only come from relationship. So that's why we've got to be those who have been drawn near in the sense of drawn near in relationship, but also in, uh, that's like not just a one-time deal, but like a continual relationship. So what's the, what happens with this? Let's draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. We've ended up with a new heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled. Um, okay, so the goal is to draw near, not just, you know, to learn things that we believe in. It's important we believe the right things. That's important. But what good are those things if they don't actually make an impact on our lives, right? And um, that's why if you walk into a gym and you say, I want a personal trainer and you, you look around and you're like, this guy is um, the most studied, the most brilliant, you know, trainer. He's got so much going on. He's, he's very intelligent and um, top of his class. And, but the guy looks like he's never lifted a weight in his entire life. And he looks like he's, he's completely like, you know, whatever, doesn't care about his diet, doesn't care about any of that stuff. And you go, okay. And then you meet this other person and they go, this person is still in process. Uh, they're, you know, they're going to graduate next year or whatever. And, um, but they're, they show a lot of diligence. They're, they're into the lifestyle and this person is ripped and you could tell they've been working out and they could tell who are you choosing? Like you could tell me, you know, all this stuff, but it hasn't, it's not important enough for you to actually have a, an effect on your life. And so we've got to be really careful because it's so easy, especially in the day and age that we're living in, where we have to, uh, I mean, we, where we can get information. I mean, like that. Google, Google it. You know, like, oh, just, I don't know, figure it out. We can figure it out. I'll find out right now. We don't have to wait for anything. I remember thumbing through my grandma's encyclopedias from like this, they were from the seventies, like Funk and Wagnall, you know, people would buy the expensive encyclopedias and then other people would give you their old ones and they're like outdated, you know, like some of this information might not be right. And you'd, you'd look at something, a subject, and it might have like three sentences to it. And you're like, that's it. That's all you can tell me about this. I mean, kids don't even know, like writing research papers. I mean, we're like, in the library, like looking through, trying to find something, a book that somehow might, might be the same. And you're like, I've got to use the card catalog and I got to remember how to do that. You know, I'm officially sounding old saying all these things, right? But the idea is like, we now have been given a great gift of information. And I love gathering information about stuff. But ga gathering information does not mean that it actually takes root and transformation in our lives and action. Action is, is essential. And sometimes the more information you gather, the less likely you are to be active. Because you start thinking that the gathering of information is the activity. But no, this is a holistic, in a sense, all of us complete experience. God's changing our minds and our hearts and our actions.
the way that we live, the way that we think, what we do, how we, how we view our bodies. This is now the temple of the living God. Everything changes. Or it doesn't. But if it doesn't, good luck's getting someone to sign on. So the goal is, of course, to draw near, to believe, to know what we believe, but to actually have those beliefs impact us in a real way that is fruit. Because, you know, there's some really sketchy and scary verses in the Bible about people who were able to, um, you know, cast out demons and see miracles. And Jesus is like, I don't know you. Because those aren't the fruit. Those are gifts of the Spirit, potentially. It could be used by God. They could be manufactured, whatever. But the fruits of the Spirit all speak of an actual inward action change. Like these things don't just naturally have the, the fruits of the Spirit. You know, you go to Galatians, you look through the fruits of the Spirit. The, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. Um, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, yes. Um, uh, um, tar- uh, you know, not being tardy. No, I'm kidding. Um, but like th- those are the fruits of the Spirit. And what are the fruits of the Spirit birthed out of? A relationship with Jesus. This is action. As we have action, this actually impacts us in a real way. So, and as we do that, what do we do? We draw near with full assurance. And it also talks about our conscience being cleansed. Having our, con- okay, so hearts, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Hearts sprinkled. What's the sprinkled thing? You guys remember? We're talking about the temple. What was the sprinkling? The blood. The sprinkling of the blood. That was the cleansing, Right? So where our hearts have been sprinkled, you listening to that word, from an evil conscience. We've been talking about the conscience. We're, there's peace in our mind. There's peace in your heart. There's peace in your life. There's peace in your mind. And he wants to give us all of those things. And our body's washed with pure water. Uh, the body's washed, this can be a reference to uh, the priests that would have to come in and get washed before they would go in with the, the labor and they would you know, do all these ceremonial things. But it's also, in a sense, we speak of what we're talking about, baptism, which is like the two sacraments, the two you know, things we've been called to do, which is communion and baptism. This is, these are the things that we don't stop doing. We, we're, we're constantly, we're doing these and giving opportunity for these communion once a month, baptism at least once a year. People are given the opportunity to show the world that they belong to Jesus and, and that it's, it's like it exemplifies the, like a marriage, right? Oh yeah, you got married. Well, how do we know you got married? We went to the wedding. Baptism's the wedding. We get to all watch it happen, be a part of it. The celebration. So, um, yeah. Let us hold fast. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Hold fast. Anchor. Um, you know, a lot of commentators use the word steadfast. These, this is, the, you see this over and over again. Hold fast. Be steadfast. Remain hold fast. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. So let us draw near. Let us hold fast. So that's what are we supposed to do with uh, the, what's the result of our relationship in the new covenant? Let us draw near. Let us hold fast. Be anchored in what we believe. Anchors are vitally important, especially when Winter anchor is really important. Storms. Yes. Storms. That's when they are of their most, most important time. And, and you might, you might, you know, say you have a yacht or something. You might cheap out on the curtains, you know. You might cheap out on, uh, you know, 
putting linoleum or whatever in the bay. You know, if you just cheapen out, if you just whatever, you know, for those of us with yachts, you know, anyway. Uh, but the thing that you certainly wouldn't want to cheap out on is the anchor. The anchor is, is super important. And, and by the way, when you need it and, and you don't have it, it's too late. You better pack the anchor. You better have the anchor ready to go. And, uh, and it better be one that can hold you. So there's certain things that are fun to invest in, certain things that are less fun to invest in in life, right? Like when you're, a young, when you're young, you try to make your car as fast as possible or at the very least make it sound as fast as possible. Maybe that's an Inland Empire thing, you know? where it's like the bigger the muffler, the downer the fool, you know, <laughs> whatever. And so we were like, you know, uh, trying to make it, everything as loud as possible so everyone knew where you were at at all times. Uh, but the thing that often would get neglected is even if you were to make your car faster, I don't want to spend money on things like brakes, you know. The faster the car goes, the faster it's got to stop, that's, it's a really important thing to understand, right? And so the, the idea of an anchor is it might be something you don't really think about until you need it and then you really, really think about it. Something that you're really gonna wish you had. So what is this anchor? Let's hold fast a confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So we're able to hold fast to what we believe. We actively hold fast, build up our confession. How do we do that? By, by what we've been talking about, studying the word of God, knowing him, it being in relation, and being in relationship with him. Like I know the God I love and I love the God that I, I, or I study the God that I love and I love the God I study. And we don't just take um, TikTok theology for just as whatever. You ask hard questions. You, if you struggle with something, you don't just try and like push it off because it all comes around in the end. So that's what we tell even some of the youth. We've talked with them. You guys have questions, ask them. You have thoughts, ask them. Because, you know, the worst thing, because I've, I've been in youth ministry a long time, and I've seen a lot of kids grow up and walk with the Lord, and many of them are serving, and they love the Lord, and it's so awesome. And now they're adults, and they have kids, and it blows my mind. But then there's some that walk away and you, you start finding out common denominators. There were doubts. There were thoughts that stuff they didn't really think or believe in, but they kind of just hung out. They stayed in there. They stayed in the fold. They kind of whatever. Uh, they'd be around and they wouldn't really say anything about it. But internally, these, these doubts and these thoughts, they're building up and they're building up and they're building up. And it's like a snowball rolling downhill. And then a lot of times what happens, they go to college and then their worldview is challenged. Everything's challenged. Um, maybe they've been told actually a really bad version of what they are supposed to believe about certain things or whatever. I don't know. Or they have a bad idea of what that thing is. And then their whole faith falls apart. The idea is that we're able to build this up together. We work through these things together. And then you're strengthened and you're encouraged. So there's nothing out of bounds what are you thinking? What's your thoughts? Does this, is this easy to understand? Is this easy to accept? Do I get this? And there's a point where we're going, well, we're not, never going to figure it all out. But like, have we reconciled this with God? Or are we kind of going, I don't know if I believe any of this stuff, but I do like that they have food here. You know, or I don't want to rock the boat. Or it's really important to my parents that I'm here. You know, I mean, that works for a season. But guys, we believe in the transformational work of the gospel that changes lives, that, it, that is an anchor that actually can hold in the midst of the gnarliest storms. How do we show that? I, I tell you, the worst possible thing we can do is to close off whenever you hear an argument, you know, stay away from me. How dare you think differently, you know, whatever. It's like, shoot, you know, do you remember being a kid? 
There's all kinds of crazy stuff you're thinking through. You're trying to work it all out. You're seeing the way you grew up, the way your parents grew up, and the things that are important to them, and you're thinking, do I believe that? Because if I really do believe that, that should have an impact on my life. So that's something I've got to kind of figure out. And so you go, well, is this something that I, you know, uh, I, I don't know, I'm kind of struggling with this. Ah, and you're like, oh gosh, maybe I, I'm out. I'm already out. So there's no place for me here. I, this is obviously being exaggerated. I think there's a point to this where we as the church have got to be really good at helping build our own faith and then build our faith of those around us. And we do this in community. So we ask questions. Uh, uh, it was a couple months ago, I guess, maybe a month and a half ago, we had our men's breakfast. And we just, it was like, we had a study, but we, before the study, we had just, it was questions time. And we were chatting through some really interesting subjects. And I was like, this is so cool. And it was almost like a thing where it's like, I've always wanted to ask this. And you're like, oh man, there's so many I've always wanted to ask questions. And a lot of people leave the church because they've had the, I've always wanted to ask and I never heard anything or I never asked it or I never felt comfortable asking it. And so this other person said something that seems a little easier to, to jive with society on. So I'm gonna go with that. And you're like, ah. Here's the thing, the cults, Ask that you don't talk to other people about their stuff. They say, be careful. Don't study it too hard. Don't look around too much. Don't, don't go over here. Don't go over there. We believe this to be the truth. We believe that we have the truth. We should not be scared. We should not be scared. And it doesn't mean you, you take every single person's uh, ideas as like, oh yeah, that's a really valid idea. But, but we're willing to go with people and to lead through this. We're not so insecure because we know who we are, what we believe. That's an anchored soul. And that's one that doesn't get washed around by 2020 and doesn't get you know, washed to shore by whatever is coming next. <laughs> it's one that remains. So we hold fast to the confession. So let us draw near, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So what's the idea of wavering? You're like, well, that kind of sounds like you're talking about wavering. I think the idea of wavering is, is when you're at the point of testing, you've been built up, you worked through the stuff, been through it. And so you know God is faithful. You've seen his faithfulness in your life, both experientially, you believe it from, even from a mental standpoint, heart standpoint. The idea that science and God are against each other is insane. Science came from the Christians. Like, like this is like the, some of the greatest scientists that ever lived were believers. So like, you know, we've got, we, we don't want to get boxed out. There's also science that's a religion that's actually not science, you know? Just because you call it something doesn't mean it's something. So we want to be careful and we want to make sure we're holding fast the confession of our hope without wavering and, and recognize he is faithful. He will see us through. And let us consider, here's the other lettuce, the third lettuce. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let us consider one another. So let us draw near our relationship with us and God. Let us hold fast, dis discipline, discipleship, growth, um, abiding. This is fruit right, in our lives, from the drawing near? And then what, how does this uh, manifest itself to the next level because we know who we are and because we know whose we are and we have an active relationship with God is we are considering one another in order to stir up love and good works. This is love. It's the outworking of the inner transformation and the biblical grounding. The goal is what? to stir up good works. And I looked up the, the word for stir up and I was kind of surprised. It was, uh, I guess it makes sense with stir up, but it was like irritation. It, it, was like, it was like a negative term in a sense. And I'm like, how can you put a negative term in front of works of love, you know? But the idea is it's meant to make us uncomfortable. It's to, it's to make our things that we shouldn't be comfortable in uncomfortable. It's an irritant. When I was, uh, when we were at summer camp, um, I was wearing these shoes, these Vans high tops that are, 
you know, no, they don't have a lot of traction. And um, I wasn't planning on being in the basketball tournament, but I was asked to play, and so I did. I had better shoes somewhere else, but you know, I ended up jumping into the basketball tournament, and um, we just kept winning. And uh, so I played a lot of games on these shoes. And all of a sudden I was like, I feel like there's a rock in my shoe and it's driving me nuts, but I'm not gonna stop because you know, we just keep playing, grind through it. And next thing you know, I was limping. And I was like, I gotta get this rock out of my shoe. And I pulled my shoe off and like my, it was the nastiest blister and it was like flopped over. And I'm like, it wasn't a rock, it was like my skin. There was an irritant that was inside, it might have been a rock initially, but whatever, it was worse at the end. I'm still recovering from this thing. But it, it, it's a reminder that this is not, you, you're not supposed to be comfortable like this. Because if it was, it might have been a rock that got in there, and then I kept running and pivoting and trying to keep up with, with 18-year-olds, you know, and tearing my foot up. Because you're pivoting on a pebble it's a reminder this is this is not how we're supposed to be we're supposed to be stirred up like we're awakened by this it it, it causes conflict in our lives and in a good way so this is why it's important to be around one another because we're and we're called to stir one another up to to shake things up in each other's lives and isn't that true isn't that what people do you know Sometimes you just love being alone because you can finally agree with someone all the time. And then you find out you actually can't. You're arguing with yourself. Like, you're just like, what are you doing? You know, whatever. And you're like, I actually am, I think I really need to be around people because I'm having arguments with myself and a third person just entered the room, you know. Not really, but you know what I'm saying. But the idea is like to be around each other it's abrasive sometimes. You want to know why? People are raised differently. People think differently. They have different gifts. They have different things that they value. Someone who has no value of hospitality versus someone who does, there's conflict there, especially if they're married to each other. Because the person who's all about hospitality is like, come into our home. And the other person's like, our home is, you know, this is my sanctuary. You can't come in here. They're like, no, well then how in the world are we gonna show the love of Christ and do life with people without welcoming them into our homes? So this, this is why it's really important because maybe the person with hospitality needs to slow down a little bit. Slow down. You don't need someone over all the time. But the person who is like, nope, I have my boundaries. Man, maybe you need to grow and go, I am missing out because a lot of times you find out, man, I really enjoyed that. That was actually a good thing. We're stirred up by one another. Why? Because what we talked about earlier, Jesus is the head, we're the body, but we're all different members. And the different members do different things. And it's meant to be a little bit like, okay, I was not expecting that, you know? You go to a talent show and you see a whole bunch of different odd things happening. Yeah. That is, I, that, that is a talent. We were at this thing last night and this guy was juggling. He was juggling off the ground and I'm like, wow, man, that's amazing that you put so much time into that, you know? But that's his thing. And it's, it's beautiful in a sense. It's like, I, I, I can't do that. I don't think I, I, you know, whatever. I could throw one of those hard, you know? I might in a sense. No, I'm kidding. So let us, what are the three let us? Enter in, let us hold fast our confession, let us consider one another. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Assembling of ourselves, we're doing that right now. This is why church is really important. Because church is where you come together to experience the sacraments. This is where we come together to have communion. This is where we come, and never was church more important or seen as more important than when we didn't, weren't able to meet for a while. It's just like amazing to be back together. But it's really important. It's so easy to get weird on our own. 
And, uh, and also we're meant to use our gifts to build up the church, both to stir one another up and to exhort and encourage one another. Like the, we need each other. We're so much better. You know, like, have you ever, yeah, never mind. I don't want to get into that. It's been long, long enough. Okay. But we need each other. We cannot see. We have so many blind spots in our lives. And we have so many, like, things we're just not good enough at. We need someone who's better at it to be around us. And you're bad at prayer. Hang out with people who pray. Like, it'll encourage you. You know, like, or you, have a, you want to grow in that. You want to grow in wisdom and knowledge. Come hang out. Like, learn. Be part of stuff. Be, show up. It's important. And I think church is, uh, the family's under attack. The church is under attack. It's not that important. Everything else is more important than church. And, and it's like, it's hard because I, I want to be a grace community forever. Like, I, we got to be grace. Grace, grace. But like, it's not good. This, this is important. Being here is really important. All the blessings I've seen in my life that God has done have been through the church. God used his people to do his thing. And a lot of wisdom when I'm feeling completely down and out has been through assembling of brothers and sisters together. How does God speak to you? In his word, yes. In prayer, yes. Very often through other people confirming the word in prayer. <laughs> how will this happen if we're not together? How did the, uh, how did the early church view the, the rest, like being with believers? Oh my gosh. They loved one another. They wanted to be with one another. They just like, they, they, it was like, they were like closer than family. You know what else? They fought. They got into disputes. They acted like idiots sometimes. That's us. That's the church. Don't expect anything less. You know, that, that's not what this is here for. This is meant to be a body of believers who are very different, see things very differently, but we are not to uh, forsake the assembling of ourselves. Part of the new covenant is the, is the church age. How can you have the church age without a church? Be part of the church. Be in the church. Make it a priority. We take communion together. We baptize together. We dedicate our babies together. That's like a witness to one another. That we're not alone. We're doing this. We, we, we've got each other's back. When you look at the other kids in the church, it's like you see, that's someone else's kid. Yeah, but they're part of our community. And so anything we could do to bless them and hook them up, which some of you, it's like, um, let me help them get to camp. Oh my gosh. That's what happens in community. Where you know community, you have nothing. And you say, well, maybe I have other community. I have other ways of community. God wanted to use the church. Otherwise he would have said other ways. So the assembling of the, of the church together. Jesus loves the church. What does he call the church? The bride of Christ. It's his bride. Don't talk bad about his bride. You talk bad about my bride. You know, I'm a pastor, but you know. <laughs> exhorting one another. This is, so we're growing together. We're exhorting one another. That happens here. We irritate one another. Yep, happens here. Exhort one another, happens here. And so much more as the day approaches. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us in person, head over to steadfastcarlsbad.com for more info. God bless.